1: Welcome to the Career Confidant and thank you for tuning in live if you're joining us live today or downloading if you're downloading the podcast. This is your host for the Career Confidant, Marie Zeminoff, and I'm so excited again today that you've joined us because we are continuing to talk about hot topics, not only in job search, but in career advancement, career management. And all of the tools and resources that you need to take control of your career are why we are here. So you know that each week I share my experience helping thousands of job seekers and career movers and shakers move where they want to go in their careers. And I bring in some guest experts to help provide you with other tools and resources to do the same. And today we are very excited to have Jane with us and Jane is an expert in the career field and has been around for a while and she'll share some more of that, but she mainly focuses in this area of assessment and helping people use assessment in their career really throughout the the cycle all of the things we talk about resumes in marketing themselves in interviewing, and also in leadership development or moving up where they are. And so we're going to be talking with Jane today about how you can use assessments throughout all of those pieces of your career development, and maybe some of the things that you might be not using them for that you could, or maybe you've got something sitting on your shelf that you could go and dust off and actually get some use out of. So if you have any questions that you want to ask either Jane or I today, you're more than welcome to call in live at 866-472-5790 or you can always email me during the show or after at Marie, M-A-R-I-E at strategicadvantage.com with any questions that you have. And we'll also give you Jane's contact information here as we're closing our conversation with her so that if you have questions about the material she's presenting, you can get in touch with her. So Jane runs a, a, a company called Jane Co., which I love, and she works with people mainly focused around the DISC assessment. So Jane, let's just kick off here by having you share a little bit about what the DISC assessment is and, and how that fits in to the work that you do, just in a general sense.
2: I'll be happy to do that for you, Marie. As far as working with assessments, I think it might be a good place just to start by saying that assessments can take on different definitions. You know, it's all the perception that the listener or reader has. So when we talk about assessment, sometimes we're talking in terms of questionnaires or surveys or profiles or evaluations, all one in the same, but the one thing that we don't want to emphasize is a test. We're not doing any type of IQ testing or any type of right or wrong, good or bad testing. What we're doing is an assessment, and I do use the specific As you said, DISC assessment as the hallmark for what I do for job seekers or professional development to help with career advancement. The DISC assessment in and of itself, it's a measurement of how people react and respond in certain environments or certain situations. Do you think there might be some value in kind of going through the, the history of this type of thing, Marie?
1: You know, I'm not sure about the history, but if you want to share a little bit about the, the structure of the assessment and the the concepts maybe, that would be wonderful. Okay.
2: Regarding the concept, the concept of understanding why, how people react and respond This is nothing new. Some of our listeners might find it interesting to know that the attempt to understand people has really been around since recorded history. In fact, anybody who studies this can learn that way back in 400 B.C., there was the study of how people reacted and responded. And at that particular time, there was the the theory that people were the way they are because of their proximity to fire, earth, air, and water. So they believed way back then that it was the external forces. Then there became um, Hippocrates, which many people um, have heard of, and Hippocrates in B.C. talked about this as being uh, people's reactions and responses being more of the internal nature, and he defined it as the internal fluids that went through people's systems differently, and named the styles choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, melancholy. It was in 1921 that Carl Jung started to think in terms of this being, yes, an internal way that we are wired, so to speak, but more of a thinking process. And he talked in terms of the um, people reacting and responding as being the difference in thinking, feeling, sensation, and intuition. And a lot of people when they hear about assessments even think in terms of the Myers Briggs or the MBTI. This was actually the beginning of the Myers Briggs with the thinking, feeling, sensation, intuition type personality styles. It was in nineteen twenty six that William Marston published a book, The Emotions of Normal People, and this is when the disc concept took place with regards to dominant, influencing, compliant, and steady. One of the reasons why I point that out as far as a concept, I think it's really important that people don't think this is some new concept. And if you notice, the common denominator of understanding people are four basic patterns, for basic influencers. So with all of that in mind, it was in uh, the 40s that Walter Clark actually developed the first assessment questionnaire profile to be able to analyze, if you will, or measure the different styles of people, and DISC is what we use now. To be able to measure the intensity levels of those different patterns regarding how people react and respond to challenges in their environment, how they influence people, um, the pace that they prefer in their environment, and their responsiveness to rules, regulations, procedures, and their need for information. That's
1: the concept okay good so there are lots of different ways that people might kind of express that type of concept and the disc is just is is one of those um, what do you prefer about the disc over something like a uh, you know an MBTI or something like that
2: well that's a, a very interesting question because not only. Could we compare to the MBTI, which certainly has its place out there? But since the development, as with most things, there are a lot of different takeoffs, if you will, or different ways to report back or to analyze using that very concept of four styles. So uh, you might say well gee i've heard of something similar to that but they didn't say dominant or influencing they use different adjectives or they use different descriptors or um, different nouns so yes there are a lot of takeoffs. so when you ask what do i prefer disc is a concept nobody actually can own a concept But people can own their different models of the way they assess and report back on those styles. So when it comes to professional use and credibility and accuracy and validity, it's not necessarily just saying the DISC model, but it's the publisher, the provider that's important for one to take into consideration. And because my background in education and experiences in the use of behavioral analysis tools, the DISC model that I would want people to really look into would be one that really does have accuracy, uh, validity, perhaps up to and including government approval for some specific uses. That way you can really be assured that you're working with materials that are going to serve you well both short term and long term. Even when we're talking about um, government approval, there's such things that um, when an assessment such as this is used for hiring and placement, that they have to be able to be compliant with EEOC and adverse impact.
1: Yeah. Well, let's not get too deep into that. We don't necessarily want to go down that rabbit hole. But the um, the idea here of that there's there's assessments. They help us think about how we interact with people, as as you said, how we react to different situations, how we interact with people, and so. Tell me a little bit about, and we've only got a few minutes here before break, but let's do a little introduction for the listeners on some of the ways that people can use this type of assessment in their job search. What are some of the ways that they might be able to use this kind of information to improve their their search strategy?
2: Well, and that's one of the reasons we want it to be accurate information, because I'm going to propose that people do use the word choices from their report in their resume development, because we're talking in terms of interpersonal skills and behavioral strengths, in their cover letter composition. Any professional correspondence, an employer is, In a resume, they can read through the hard skills and they can read through the history, but interpersonal communication skills are so very important for interview preparation, being able to communicate how you react and respond in groups of other people. You can use pieces and parts of a report in your portfolio material, your leave behind brochures, developing your brand message, your bio for social networking sites, Um, you are able to talk in terms of the value that your specific behavioral strengths bring to the organization, how you can fit in with the new team. Even because you can type so many words a minute, that doesn't mean how you will fit in with the team. So that's where we emphasize the ideal work environment based on your style, the um, presentation skills, what your preferences are, time management, team building, all of these are important components for a person interested in career advancement.
1: Definitely, yeah. So it provides a... A lot of different ways that you can use that information. Um, and then we'll go into those a little bit more here when we get back from our break. But just thinking about, you know, you may have, if you're listening here today, you might have a an assessment like this sitting on the shelf that you took while you were with the company you're at now or with a previous company. And there might be some nuggets of of wisdom in there and some authentic language or or at least some language that might lead you to some authentic language about yourself that you could use in all these ways that Jane is talking about in your resume in an interview on social media so we're going to we're going to take a short break here and come right back and talk more about Um, some of the more specific ways that you can use this information to help you be more effective in your search. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes.
0: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. That's GetCareerSmart.com, or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays for our special series on Transforming Your Business. Learn how to become the transformation leader who looks ahead to the next wave of innovation on Transforming Your Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, on The Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voiceamerica. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to the Career Confidant. This is your host Marie Zemanoff, and today we've welcomed Jane of Jane Co's Sensible Solutions, and Jane is talking about how to use some information that you might have from a personality behavioral type of assessment sitting around, and she's talking specifically about the DISC. And you know, we've been talking about how these assessments kind of evolved and the the basis of four different. Personality types or styles, and how those might make a difference in some of your career search activities if you will and so we've talked a little bit about resumes and cover letters and branding and you know I think some of that might be a little bit more um, superficial if you will being able to use those words is a great use of them but I want to get in and dig in here because I think this is something that people don't think about that can be really powerful and talk about how we might use some of the that information in an interview and so you know you'll hear people say you know Jane if it how you act in an interview is just all about being polite and and being nice or whatever might be those platitudes that people say you know just get along or put on a good face or whatever that we say but these assessments would tend to tell us that that's not exactly true what else might be in to making a good impression that these assessments could help us with? What else goes into making that good impression in an interview?
2: Well, I'm glad that you said what else, Marie, because certainly being polite and um, trying to just be professional is not going to hurt. That's certainly something that we want to do, and that's very consistent with, uh, I guess we could even say the golden rule. We're taught that if we treat people as we'd like to be treated, that's the way we can get along. And that is certainly true. It's true that we're not going to really do any harm if we follow that, but I would propose that everybody kind of stop and and think for just a moment. Even though they're polite and professional, Have they ever really met somebody that, yeah, they just felt very compatible with, but also what about a person they've met that there's just something that doesn't click? Well, so we can be nice, but if we're not just clicking, and in your scenario at the interview, it's going to make for a very difficult um, time in developing rapport. So, by understanding that we can learn to treat people the way they want to be treated, we can still be ourselves, know ourselves, and just adapt appropriately for another person's style. And that's how we can make a very good impression when we're going in for an interview. After all, it's you going in, so you are going to be yourself. Whether you're going to be very direct and dominant, whether you're going to be more talkative and verbal, maybe you're a little bit timid and reserved, maybe you're very Um, data-driven, task-oriented. This shows through. If the interviewer is a different style, there's something that doesn't click. So by understanding how to recognize different styles, it's not that you're going to be 100% accurate without using an assessment, but you can at least recognize sometimes just from the demeanor, just from um, the decor in the office, just by the way that you're met, that you can adapt for that small time to be able to develop rapport. And if that person is very direct and dominant, they're going to have an expectation of more shorter answers, more concise, right to the point. If the person is very relationship-oriented, then they may have some small talk before. And if you like small talk, they don't, there's some kind of disconnect. So be observant of how that person is reacting and responding so that you can try to match that style for that small amount of time. That's yeah, why would I would you, recommend it on an interview.
1: Yeah, and like you said, I think sometimes people go, well, that's not authentic and, and you know they're hiring me. Well, that that's true, but also if you're working within a team, it's just good communication throughout your work life and... and in your career advancement, to do that throughout, not just in an interview, right? Oh, and so absolutely. It's, That's the whole
2: point of being able to recognize that you can be who you are, not change who you are, but being willing to adapt for a small period of time to be able to work well on the team, arrive at decisions, build that rapport but still fit into being who you are with regards to even the career path that you're choosing.
1: Yeah. And so when someone goes into an interview, how might they know if the person that they're interviewing with, I mean, you talked a little bit about this small talk, so they might have more of that personal connection that's important to them. What are some other ways they might recognize the style of the person that they're they're meeting with.
2: Well, in an office environment, as long as it's the interviewer's personal office, sometimes there are some telltale signs just by as I mentioned before, the decor of the office. If there are a lot of trophies, signs of achievement, we can expect that that person is very direct, very decisive, very um, a doer, an accomplisher, because they have their trophies. If we see a lot of family pictures, if we see um, um, some less reserved, flamboyant type um, decor, we might assume that that person is more of what we refer to as that S style and the disk They're a little bit more slow-paced. They're a little people-oriented as opposed to task. So we want to just be a little bit more reserved. If we see a lot of charts and graphs and a lot of detailed paperwork, we know that that person is probably very analytical, very calculating, um, and they expect more perfection and right to the point with just facts and no small talk. So there's always a margin for error, but at least by recognizing even some of the body language, you can tell if the person needs to have um, treatment a certain way based on the style.
1: Oh, that's very interesting. I was just looking around my office and trying to say, hey, what would I think I am if I came (laughs) into my office?
2: (laughs) Well, sometimes you can even tell by favorite colors. You know, it's interesting that the like styles have a tendency to gravitate toward similar, well, similar whatevers. Now, we don't categorize people as just one of the four because you're truly a blend and that's why an accurate assessment is really valid to come up with the best word choices to describe yourself but if we were to say we could describe somebody as to what um, magazines they prefer to read because you know some are more detail-oriented money magazine um, people magazine just to name a few colors some people uh, are attracted to certain types of cars we are even attracted to certain types of jobs based on our personality styles.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all very interesting, and I think it's an important piece to realize that that there is value in in these assessments in a lot of different ways. But a lot of times, people get maybe so caught up in the personal part. And maybe even in that career, you know, what does my assessment say I should do for a career? Sometimes I think people get too carried away even in that part to not see all of the critical information it could give you in terms of interacting with others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sometimes people take that assessment a little bit too internally when there's so much going on in the interaction between you and someone else that's affecting that, right? So uh, that's just great information. So we're almost at the end here of our second segment, Jane. And I, Jane, I just want to give you a chance to tell people more, a little bit more about your company and how they can get in touch with you if they're interested in, in learning more about the assessment and how they might use that in their career.
2: Well, I can be reached um, on the internet www.janecoves.com, that's J-A-N-E-C-O-S.com. My number is one 888 jane Cove um, or 724-528-1000. And the company is one that is a full-service company for customized career advancement planning. My team and I will customize the process to help an individual reach his or her goal. We know that everybody has a goal as as far as job satisfaction, career happiness, but not everybody is starting at the same place. So we like to do an evaluation to find out where the starting place is, and then we develop the plan accordingly people that know what they want to do, we forego a complete battery of test measurements and assessments. But every single client will get a disc assessment so that we can write in their voice and so that we can glean the interpersonal skills and help them develop all the appropriate answers uh, for the interview process up to and including um, that difficult one about um, tell me about your weaknesses because yeah. as many strengths as we have we yeah. all have those potential areas that we can further develop, right?
1: Yeah, that's always a challenging one to answer for sure. Well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on to the show and I hope that if you're listening today and you're interested you'll, you'll connect with Jane and if you're interested in in learning more about other assessments, we're going to talk a little bit about other assessments. And we're going to, I know there might be some of you who are thinking, oh, you know, assessments are worthless. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit here right after our break and just share what some of the powerful messages might be that you can get from those and other ways that you might be using those in addition to what jane has shared so jane thank you for joining us listeners please reach out to jane if you're interested in in learning more about what she does and we'll be right back in just a few minutes for the last part here of our career confidant show
0: Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we just got done talking to Jane about from Jane Coe's Sensible Solutions. And she was talking about assessments and how we can use them in our job search, in our career growth, and in all of the different pieces of those, especially a lot in our communications and in our interactions with others. Now, I know that a lot of people have a hard time with assessments. And usually, people have a hard time with one assessment in particular. And um, i got to tell you, that was kind of a stretch for me to have Jane on the show because I have issues with the DISC. I'll just tell you a little bit about why. And, you know, we're going to talk through this here. So when I first took the DISC, The person that was helping me with it gave me an assessment of, well, actually an interpretation is what they call it, right? They interpreted the assessment results, and they said, you know, you're a a high D and a high S. So, that kind of driven, demanding, and then the supportive or more people-related. Now not surprisingly, perhaps, those two fall on the opposite sides of the nice little pretty disc circle. So it's the, the the dominant, then the influencing, and as you move around the circle, that third quadrant is the the S part of it, and that that steadiness part, the people part, and then the fourth quadrant is that compliance. So when people have those strengths that are opposites in some ways, a lot of times that makes it more challenging to do the interpretation. And I get that. So I'll give the person that was doing that interpretation some leadway there. However, this person said to me, you know, you're a high D, but somewhere along in your life, you decided that you needed to try to be an S to balance out that D. Was there some time in your life where you realized and, you know, you specifically thought, hey, I need to be nicer to people to get what I want? And it, it just just did not resonate with me. Um, it, it just was a very interesting conversation. And so I walked away being, of course, very you know, disappointed, if you will, in that assessment. And and just the way that it didn't fit for me in that interpretation in some ways was very negative for me and so of course then we say that it's the assessment's fault right It's the, the assessment um, doesn't work and, and all of those things or it's the person's fault and they just didn't do a good job of, of interpreting the assessment well and in some ways it's just that the assessment and the language didn't jive with me. And that's okay. That's why there's other assessments out there, right? I know there's lots of people out there who hate the Myers-Briggs, but the Myers-Briggs for me includes a, a concept, a construct that the DISC didn't necessarily provide, which is about empowering others. Instead of, you know, being that you had to support them, analyze them, lead them, or influence them, none of which really identify for me. It includes this construct about empowering, right, teaching. That's different than supporting, and it's different than influencing to me, and it, it rings more true. The language fits for me. And so as you're thinking about assessments, they may or may not be, they may or may not click for you. Just as Jane was talking about that we may or may not click with a person, we may or may not click with an assessment. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that all assessments are bad. And in fact, it doesn't mean that that assessment you didn't click with is worthless. Because there's probably some nuggets in there that you can gain from that assessment. Now later, as I've worked through my issues with the discs, you know, as a counselor, a career counselor, he uses assessments, I felt like I had to really understand why this didn't fit for me. And so I talked to some other people who had done some more work with the assessment. And someone said, Oh, no, it's not that those two things are, you know, pulling that those opposites of the driving and the supporting, it's that that's who you are, you're this mix of driving and supporting. And it was interesting how that one person's description or interpretation of that fit so much better for me and helped me reconcile in my mind how those two things came together. And so if you're going to do an assessment and you want to do some career assessment, that is one of the things that I would say to be the most careful with. Because working with someone who has training in how assessments work and in in the specific assessment that they're doing like Jane does with the disc is so critical. I had a whole class in my master's program on assessments for this reason because they can be very powerful and they can be a divisive point with a person if they're given in a way that mean, that doesn't allow for the conversation, right? To me, and, and in my background, what I've learned, an assessment is really just a conversation starter. It's a way to provide common language, right? And Jane talked a lot about that. It's, it's about language. It's about helping you get language around how you interact and how the people around you interact with the world, Sometimes that language isn't going to fit for everybody, and that's okay. But a good interpretation, a good professional for you to work with will understand that that assessment's just a place to start. Now, you as a client, a candidate, a job seeker, even a a leader who's looking to get help with their leadership style, also have to realize that that assessment is not an answer There is no assessment that's going to tell you what you should be when you grow up. There isn't. All those assessments are going to do is provide ideas, places to start, language, maybe a little bit of organization around how the working world works or how jobs fit together. It's going to organize the world for you and provide some language, but it's not going to tell you necessarily where you fit. It's gonna give you some ideas, but that's where the assistance of a trained professional comes in, whether that's at your local workforce center or using a a personal career counselor, however it is that you want to work through that, that's the power of assessment is to get you started, to provide some concepts, but it's not most likely not gonna provide an answer. There are sometimes people take an assessment and the answer is on that page. Um, but most of us don't work that way. In fact, a lot of us like to argue with those answers when they do come out, and that's all part of the process. That's a valuable part of the process. So if you're looking to get an assessment, those are some of the things that I would talk about. If you've struggled with assessments in the past, those might be some of the reasons. And if you can step back from it and try not to let it be so specific, a lot of times you can get some value out of that when you look at it more of the concept, how does it organize information for you and what does it tell you about you and about others that might be different so that you can adjust your style when you're working with them. And that is one of the most powerful things I think assessments can give to us is how we can adapt to meet someone else's style. Again, not that we're not being ingenuine, disingenuine, whatever the right word is there, but that we're understanding that all communication is going to be more fruitful when we can see where someone else is coming from and adapt our style to match them in some way to help that communication flow. And there's some really simple things right? And maybe one of the least understood concepts in the Myers-Briggs is that introvert or extrovert concept. But you know, when you walk into the room, if you're talking with someone who's much more loud than you, and you might have to match that a little bit, right? So that you can communicate with them in a way they feel comfortable. If you stay your little quiet self, you're probably not going to hit it off with them, as Jane would say, or click with them, right? And the same thing if you tend to be louder and more boisterous and you walk into an office and you can tell that that person's a little bit more reserved. If you tone it down a little bit, you're going to interact better with that person. And that is not just for the interview, right? That's not just to win the job. That's something that we can do throughout our working life and even in our relationships that'll help us be Happier in all of those interactions, and it's a very simple thing to to learn about, but not a simple thing to do when we're thinking about how we interact with others. And just we're going to come back, and I want to talk a little bit about how these assessments can help you formulate your brand. But I'll let me tell you one story here as we close. So I was teaching a a class here at our local workforce center. And it was with the Myers-Briggs, and everybody took the Myers-Briggs, and we did some interpretation around that as a group. And we got done with one part of the class, and um, we'd been talking about extrovert and introvert. And uh, one of my participants said, oh, well, you know, I'm really extroverted, and my wife is really introverted. And, you know, I think when I go home, I'm just going to tell her that she needs to be more extroverted so we'd get along better. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized at that moment that I must have done something wrong because he missed the whole point of the class, right? It's all about how we can adapt our style. And, of course, if we can teach someone else these concepts and help them adapt their style, that's great. But who do we control? Us, and, and we can control our actions, and then maybe that other person will respond accordingly. But the idea behind the assessments and the learning that happens is really about how we can... Notice the way others are interacting and adjust our style to be more successful in those interactions. And so we're going to come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how these assessments and the language and the concepts can flow into your your branding, your resume, your LinkedIn profile, even what you say about yourself in an interview, and how those again those dusty assessments you have sitting on yourselves might be able to add some value there so we'll be right back in just a few minutes and finish up our discussion here about assessments
0: Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point-of-view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant
1: and today. We have been talking about assessments and all the different ways that you can use them throughout your job search. So, of course, there's assessments that help you determine what type of career you might want to do. And again, we've talked about that that's a a jumping off place. That's a way to get some information about where you might fit, what types of jobs you might be happy in. But of course, it's not going to provide an answer in terms of what you should do. Then we've talked a little bit about how these assessments might help in terms of an interview. And again, I think that's one of the critical areas that a lot of times we miss in in assessment, especially in individual career assessment. If you've done it within a corporate setting, that might be where you've spent more time. And, And that's great. I think that is an area of wonderful wisdom that to me is the treasure chest within an assessment is really how can you use it to interact better with others because if there's anything I've noticed as a theme as I work with job seekers and if I've done reading on on job success and career success is that your interaction with others and your ability to do that well is probably the number one skill you need to succeed right to be able to build relationships to manage conflict to inspire others to delegate all of those tasks and and concepts that make one successful as a leader really have more to do with that interaction with others than what i want to do as a career right those that part of the assessment is important and that self understanding is extremely important and mostly because of how it can apply to how you interact with others, right? First, you got to know yourself so that then you can adjust as you need to because, you know, where you fall and what style you prefer, that helps you change faster. So if you're thinking about that assessment and, you know, you've got this thing sitting on your, on your desk First, I would think about it in those ways. How does this tell me that I interact well with others? How does it tell me that other people are are coming to a situation that might be different than me? And how am I going to recognize that and and adjust my style to be more successful? That would be the first thing. Secondly, maybe what does it tell me about what things and tasks I'm going to be the most successful in? And that's important to know. And it's, it's somewhat also going to be your experience combined with that assessment so that you can put those two things together. I think that's the trouble for me with some assessments and some of the ways that people interact with assessments is that those assessments are built on more static constructs than human beings are. And so you might take an assessment that says you'd be a a bad salesperson. But it might be because you sell differently than that assessment thinks someone should sell, right? So there's all of these assumptions built into an assessment that may or may not jive with what your reality is or how you approach something. And so to always keep that in mind and... And to work through those concerns, those questions with for yourself or with whoever you're working with are, are extremely important instead of just taking some of those things at face value. And especially for those of us that have those maybe more competing styles, right? Where we're we're not the the two Squares sitting right beside each other, where the ones that are across from each other on that assessment report, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. So, thinking about all of that, and you've got this report sitting on your desk, and one of the ones that, that I enjoy because it's very positive and, and uh, maybe a little bit more simple, again, because we're not needing to get really in, intense and complex here, is the Strengths Finder. And all of these assessments come up with some kind of language, right? And in the Strengths Finder, you might find that Relator is one of your strengths, or Winning Others Over, which is one of people's favorite because the acronym is WOO, right? W O O, Winning Others Over. Or maybe your strength is being strategic. All of those words are great, and you could put that on your resume. You could say it when you interview. But for any of those things to really work and to really be a brand, to me they have to have two other things, right? You've got this concept. Then you have to have some proof or something that backs it up and in some way how has it added value in the past. And then the third thing is that it has to connect with the value for your audience, Right, so I could tell you that I'm great at being strategic. And, you know, one of the examples of that is that I've planned events, and I could go into all this detail. But if what you need is someone to be a great project manager, that strength is not aligned, and especially if I tell you a a story in a certain way, it's not aligned with your need. So it doesn't matter. Right, you've got that that brand promise that this is what I'm great at, but it doesn't have any value if it's not connected to what the audience is looking for. So if you're going to use some of these words in your branding, if you're going to use them in your, your LinkedIn profile, your resume, and even in an interview, think about those things. How can you make that word yours and really authentic by demonstrating how you use that, demonstrating the, the outcome, de- demonstrating the value. And then is the way that you're telling that story relevant to the audience? All of those pieces make up your brand, right? We can have this great document that talks about how wonderful you are and it's in your voice and it tells your story but if it doesn't meet the market need it's not going to it's not going to do you any good right that's like an R&D person developing this awesome product they've spent millions and millions of dollars developing and no one went out and did the market research to see does the market want that is the market going to want that when it's done and oh by the way how much will they pay for that and does it make sense to spend this much money developing it right it it's a it's it can't be done in a vacuum so as you're looking at these assessments and you're looking at the values the words the the branding terms that you might use just make sure to make that connection to your audience and so last week i i kind of shared that i've taken on this new role and, and leadership of the Career Thought Leaders and Resume Writing Academy, be doing some training of my peers, some convening of my peers in that role, and I forgot to tell you that, of course, the a strategic advantage will keep operating and keep helping individual job seekers and, in fact, have more resources to be able to do that and do that at a, an entirely different level. So. If you're interested in in getting some help with your career, your career management, career advancement, a, a strategic advantage is still here. And the additional benefit for you as a listener is that all of my peers... And fellow career thought leaders will be coming on to the show. Next week, perhaps very exciting, is the LinkedIn discussion will continue. We've talked a lot about profiles and some of those things on LinkedIn. Next week, we're going to talk specifically about connecting and interacting on LinkedIn. And I've got Melanie Lindsay coming in. She's an award-winning LinkedIn profile writer she's also very creative and witty and she's going to be a lot of fun so join me next week to hear more about interacting and connecting on linkedin and you're always welcome to connect with me at marie m-a-r-i-e at strategicadvantage.com and we'll be right back here next week on the career confidant